Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. I would do two things. If you haven't been baptized, I would get baptized as soon as possible. Today, a lady is in here. I won't identify her, but she's going in for, for surgery. She's going in for cancer surgery. It's critical. We prayed for her before our service, laid hands on her, asked God for, fa- for his favor. But you know what she said? I, I don't want to see Jesus. You know, I, I have to get baptized before I go into this, this situation. Before I go to the hospital, I want to take care of this. And she did. She wisely took care of that. Here's the next step. If you've been baptized, then the next thing is you've got to be discipled. Here's the thing, you don't know, you know what you've received. If you, if you don't understand the words, walk with someone for a while. I talk about this sometimes, the analogy of Disneyland, of walking, you've, you've accepted Christ, you've got your ticket, you've got a pass, it's all access, you can go anywhere in Disneyland, but you got this pass and you walk through the gate and you know how in Disneyland there's that little place there that um, you can see the train go by and there's two big tunnels, there's one on either side, but, and, and they have places to sit and it's made of asphalt and you can see Mickey Mouse up on the hill here. If you sit down right there, and that's your understanding of Disneyland, I'd feel like I got ripped off. This is it? $192,000 to get into Disneyland? <laughs> and this is it? Are you kidding me? And then someone comes along and says, why are you sitting here? I know, I paid all this money and this is it? No, come with me. Paul says, walk with me. Come with me. I'm going this way. We're going to walk through this tunnel and your eyes are going to be opened up like they never were before. And then all of a sudden you walk out into Main Street and you go, woohoo, man, this is Disneyland. This is awesome. See, that's the difference. So many people come to Christ and then they walk in, in, into the, the faith, but they don't understand really what this includes. Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame who set their mind on earthly things. Note to self, these people Paul refers to are not simply lost people that haven't come to salvation, although they are included. These are the enemies of the cross of Christ that seek the destruction of the truth. People who violently oppose all things Christian, they oppose the Bible. These, these are the, this is the uh, offspring of the generation that pulled the Bible out of government, that pulled the Bible out of schools. They're opposed to Christian morals and ethics. They're opposed to the family. They're opposed to God himself and the ransom that was paid even for them. The bottom line for their hatred and rejection of God is this. They will not be ruled. They will not be ruled. For the evidence is all around them that God exists. But in their hearts and in their minds, they will not be ruled. I'll rule my own life. I'll live it the way I want to live it. Don't tell me what to do. The bottom line for their hatred and rejection of God is self-rule. And the great white throne of judgment Their fate will already be sealed if they don't change their mind. And our response to these blinded souls hasn't changed. Jesus says, pray for them, love them, but speak truth 
and stand up. For we are not to judge. That's God's job. We pray. We tell them the truth and we love them so that they might see Jesus in us. Two reward programs. First, we saw the reward of the world that Paul talked about. Now we're going to see the reward of the redeemed. Number two, the reward of the redeemed. Verse 20, for our citizenship, those who reject the world and follow Christ have a citizenship. For our citizenship, it's not the world, is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Listen, Jesus is coming back to subdue all things to himself. And you know what? Our bodies, when we get transformed, when we get caught up in the clouds, raptured or, or we go early. Maybe you're on the early plan. And you're going you're gonna to go to heaven before I get to, or maybe I'm going to go before you. But in any case, the Bible tells, tells us that our bodies are going to be transformed. And we're, we're going to have bodies like Christ. Bodies like Christ. That'd be a great workout, Jim. Wouldn't it? While the limit of the atheist's vision is the world around him, the vision and limit of the vision of the redeemed extends all the way into heaven. You know, someone says, you're, you know, that person's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Let me tell you, you want to be earthly good? You got to be heavenly minded. Because if all I do is focus on what's going on around the world and I forget what lies ahead, I'm going to become bitter. I'm going to lose my joy. I'm going to lose my purpose down here. I have to know that there's a better place that's coming. And so, I can do this down here because I know one day I'm going to get to see Jesus as he is. I'm going to lay eyes on him for the first time. And I'm going to see his nail-scarred hands. And I'm going to get to hug him and thank him. I'm going to fall to my feet as you will, no doubt. We're going to start worshiping God right there. There's no separation. There's no veil between us anymore. It's all been removed. And we'll be in the throne room of heaven shouting out, the atheist is focused on self-pleasures, self-gratification, and the things of this world which are temporary. And for them, this is the best life will ever be. Isn't that sad? On the other hand, those who've surrendered their lives to Jesus have their vision and hope expanded to a glorious future that day when Christ returns or calls them home and takes them to heaven. And for us, this life is as bad as it ever will be. It's only going to get better. And let me tell you, so amazing. As I've said before, Paul and John couldn't describe it. They saw a glimpse. God just pulled back the veil for a second on heaven. And their minds were blown. They didn't have words to describe what they saw. And for the rest of their lives, they talked about heaven. For the rest of their lives, they sought to bring more people to Christ because they wanted more people to enjoy that glimpse that they saw just for a minute. And while the atheist is a citizen incarcerated in prison, it's a self-prison in this world, the redeemed and set free child of God is, is merely a sojourner 
We're just passing through, as the old song says. We're just passing through this world. This is a temporary life for us. A citizen of heaven, that's who we are. Our king is the king of kings. So how do we walk? We walk with the knowledge that God, and I'm going to give you some verses here, Colossians 1.13. We, we walk this way with the knowledge that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Where once we were in the darkness, now we've been conveyed. We, our sins have been commuted forevermore. The sins that we committed aren't held against us anymore. We're set free. The world's still under bondage. They're still guilty until they surrender those sins to Christ. But we who believe in Christ, our sentence has been commuted. We've been conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Here's Hebrews. Here's how the writer of Hebrews put it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you need grace and mercy this morning? Are you going through something that is just overwhelming? Many of you know that the lake that uh, Debbie and I live on was the lake where uh, the little boy fell into and drowned. That family is just overwhelmed. I, I, I can't imagine what they're going through. Isn't it good to know that even through things like that that may come into your life, that we have a God that loves us. We have a God that never leaves us or forsakes us. His grace and His mercy is available. We can obtain it at any moment by going boldly into the throne room of grace as we pray and ask God for help. Here's Ephesians 2, 4-6. through But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, listen, God didn't come to give you a better life. He came to make a dead person alive. I'm just not a better version of Ben. I was dead, and he caused me to become alive again. That's the difference. Don't ever think that you're adding Jesus or adding the gospel to your life. You're not. You were dead. You couldn't do that. But through God's grace and mercy, you've been made alive again. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You have a seat at the table of God. Can you imagine that for just one moment? What is that like? We've been raised up. When you give your life to Christ, you become a child of God and you have full benefits. All access pass. You can go into the throne room of the King of Kings, of our Father God, who cre the creator of all things. You can just storm into his room anytime you need him. In the middle of the night, he's there. In the middle of your storm, he's there. No matter what comes, when you're, on, you're knocking on death's door, listen, he's there with you, and he's ready to usher you into the room with him. My friend, God isn't offering a new and improved version of ourselves. He's offering to make us brand new again. Without this gift of forgiveness, we are regulated and relegated to an eternity of punishment. But by accepting that free gift of grace, we who were dead in sin are made alive. 
We're going to talk about that more. We now have a seat in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus bled and died for our sins, we can sit next to him in heaven. In closing, we see that we're to live in the world and not be of it. In Jesus' prayer for his disciples on the night of his crucifixion, it's one of the most powerful and poignant moments in all the Bible. You should read it. He says this, the night prior to his crucifixion, he asked his heavenly Father to keep us in the world, safely guarded from Satan, but that we not be of the world. There's a critical difference here. Listen to the part of, uh, where Jesus prays for those that would follow him. Here it is. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. He's talking to his disciples, and in a greater context, those who would become his disciples. And I come to you, he says, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. See the difference there? We're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Here's what he's talking about. There's a strong delineation between being in the world and being of the world. How can we be in the world and not of the world? What does that even mean? Well, the world that he's talking about here in the Greek, here's the Greek word for it, it's cosmos. It's the physical world that we can see with our eyes. It's ruled by Satan right now. It's everyone that's alive at this minute. And it's those apart from Jesus Christ. That's the world. That's the cosmos. It's the worldly system of right and wrong. That's what he's talking about. So it makes sense that Jesus is telling us to be in this world, living for Christ, sharing the gospel, while not being ruled by the world, not being of it, because if you're of the world, you're, part, you're caught up in that. In fact, the more we grow into our faith, the less we care for the things of this world. Amen? You ever notice that? The longer that you follow Christ, the less you really want the things of the world. Just give me Jesus. I think of that song. Just give me. You can have all this. You can have the cosmos. You can have all the fame and all the fortune and all the money and all the power. I just want Jesus. Believers in Jesus Christ are simply in the world, physically present, but not of it, not part of its values. As believers, we should be set apart from the world. This is the meaning of being holy and living holy. To be holy means to be those that are set apart from the world. We're in it. We're not of it again. We are not to engage in the sinful activities the world promotes. 
Rather, we are to conform ourselves and our minds to that of Christ Jesus. Paul writes in in Romans 12 too, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in the world, not of the world. We're to change our mind, Paul says. Wash it out. Start walking according to the Word. And when you do that, you'll be able to see what is good and acceptable, that acceptable and good, perfect will of God. As you do that, you'll become more in tune with what God is doing in your life and the direction He wants you to head. Christian author and theologian Lloyd-Jones wrote this, quote, Though you are away from home, remember that the honor and the dignity of the great kingdom to which you belong is in your hands. There are those other people around and about you who do not belong to your kingdom. They are watching you and they will judge your country by what you do. End of quote. Remember, most of the time we're the only Bible the world will ever read. If they want to know what a Christian is like, they'll look at you. If they want to know what it's like to follow God, they'll look at you. If they want to know what Jesus is like, they're going to look at you. The highest good the Christian can be in this world in which he lives will be determined by the passion with which he longs for that far country that God has promised, where his citizenship has been forever filed in heaven and from which he waits for his Savior to return and call him home. I doubt it would be necessary to remind a single follower of Christ in here this morning to walk worthy of his calling if we were always aware that there is a crown laid up for us in heaven, a crown of righteousness that will not tarnish and a body of glory that will never get old and die. I don't think I'd ever have to remind anybody if we could just do what John and Paul had done, just glimpsed into heaven for a second, it would change our life radically. We would come back and go, I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of this. I want to go and tell my neighbors, you know, there's a new way to share Christ. It's really not a new way. It's an old way. We're coming back to, to the way that should be. But there's this, this way that's being taught where um, you go out and actively pursue on purpose, with purpose, those that are in your sphere of influence. So you should know the neighbor across the street. You you should get to know him. You should get to know the other. Maybe he's retired next door. You should get to know him. It's intentional discipleship. It's intentional evangelism. And and sometimes I got to write names down because, you know, I'm getting old. And after about four or five neighbors, I start forgetting who's with who and whose kids are who. Do that on purpose and with purpose. This isn't a dress rehearsal. You're living your life right now. And the two things you can't do in heaven is this. You can't evangelize in heaven. There's no need for it. You can't do good works in heaven that God's called you to because there's no need for it. You have the opportunity right now to share Christ with people. And you've been given that command to do that. Listen, my friends, you don't want to see Jesus and look into his eyes for the very first time, not having done the one thing he asked you to do. It gives me chills when I say that. I want to be about the people 
I want to be in their lives as much as they'll let me so that I can bring Christ into the world that they're in. Kasun will be in the presence of the, King and King, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's our inheritance. You see, as citizens of far-off country, right now, yeah, this, isn't, this is the worst it's going to get. But let me remind you, one day we get to stand in heaven with Jesus. So be faithful now. Though we live in a world dominated by sin, ruled by Satan, hostile to Christ's followers, and filled with enemies of the cross of Christ, be patient in your service to the supreme commander who has temporarily assigned you here. For the day is coming when you will hear his voice. It'll be a shout and you will be forever changed in a moment. You will begin a day that never ends in heaven as you reflect his truest and most righteous image. You will truly and fully for the first time begin to enjoy the one who is the source of your glory the one who has made it possible for you to be in the perfect presence with him forever. So do not be weary in doing good. Heaven is but a breath away. Let's pray. Lord, there are those that have never made that gift. And even now, today, they're apart from you. Maybe they're here uh, because someone invited them. Maybe they're searching for something bigger and greater in life. You've put a hole in our heart that can only be filled by you. And it, it causes us to pursue what that is. And so, Lord, if there's, if there's one or two or a dozen that are here today that have never made that commitment, have never reached out and made that gift their own, Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would do that so that they might find what they're looking for. Everything we yearn for as humans can be found in you. Lord, I pray for that person that perhaps days, months, or years ago walked away from you. And they went out into the world, out into the darkness. And yet in their heart, they know that you're still there waiting for them to return. Lord, I pray that like the prodigal son, they would turn back and come back to their faith. Because we know, just like in that story, you will wait their return. You look for the horizon for one day for them to return and come back. All is forgiven. And Lord, I pray for those of us that have already made that decision in their life. Lord, give us a boldness now. This is not the time to be timid. This is not the time to, to sit down. This is the time to stand up and to speak boldly for the cross. Declare that you are the only way out of this life alive. So God, give us that boldness. And Lord, give us eyes to see those that are walking by. Give us eyes and a heart for our neighbors, the co-workers that we work with. We know they're not headed into the kingdom. They're headed the wrong way. Give us the words and the opportunity, Lord, and the eyes to see that so that we might have a conversation with them that leads to eternal things. The only things that matter in this world are eternal things. We thank you that you've entrusted this to us, this gospel. You could have had the angels do it, but no, you've called us to do it. This is our mission. Help us to be faithful to that mission. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you've never reached out and accepted that gift, it's not yours. It's not enough to know that there's a gift for you. That doesn't save you. You have to reach out and make it yours. If you've never done that, 
Don't leave this building without doing that. So many have come to Christ and claimed that gift just in the last few months here at Restored and across this valley, actually. We're beginning to see the, what might be a revival in Idaho. It's pretty amazing. It's happening right here. If you've never received that gift, you never, it's not your gift, so make it yours today. Don't go out of this room without doing that first. Amen? And if you need to be discipled, if, if there's things you just don't understand, if you don't see your life growing in Christ, there's a reason for that. There's a log jam. We can help you remove that log jam so the water flows freely. So thank you for being here. God bless. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.